When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good evening, welcome, whatever time and whatever place you are, to another episode, episode 45 in fact, and today's guest is Guy Holmes, a former colleague of mine from Ireland Record Days in the 80s. Uh, oh, by the way, the, program, the podcast is called Moments That Rock, and I'm your host, Tony Michaelidis. Guy had a long and successful career in the music industry, and he went on to do lots of other things, but as per usual, we shall leave it to the others to explain. I, in 1984, I started at Ireland, so it was, um, just have a think, because I always reference the bands, but for me, Frankie Goes to Hollywood um, was kind of a big part of that year, I think. It was 1984, yeah. The Unforgettable Fire, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and yeah. Legend, because it was the biggest yeah. year at the time Ireland had ever had, so I can I can yeah. definitely uh, confirm that. It was a big year. You know, I was a kid, I was 20, let me think about this, I was 22, I think. And you know, I didn't really know much about the business side of things, but I, I think I knew a little bit about what sounded good. And that was always my thing was, you know, I was very lucky um, because I started at a United Artists as the gopher, as a postboy when I was 17. I got expelled from school um, a couple of times. I, I have very bad dyslexia. So um, a school in those days didn't really understand what dyslexia was. So they just told me I was an idiot. And, and 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 I was like, well, okay, if I'm an idiot, why am I here? You know, there's better things to do with life. And so I started DJing when I was about 14, really. I built my own turntables as well. I didn't even have to pay me. I just turned up and play records. And 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 I was mad about funk and soul and and some punk records as well. Um, and and I was just on an exploration journey. Something happened to me where I got in a fight. Last night I was in, I was 17, some bloke picked on me and I, I hit him back. And I land up in Oxford Street, walking up and down Oxford Street, a bit depressed and a bit upset because I've, I've hit this bloke and I don't, you know, I'm not that kind of human being. And um, something overcame me, Tony. I had this sudden thing. I looked at Reed's Employment Agency and I had no fucking idea what went on in my head. I walked up the steps, walked up to this bloke behind a desk and said, I want a job in the music business. And he laughed at me. He just laughed. And, and then he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, right, right. So, you know, how old are you? So I said 17. He said, how many 
In those days, it was O-levels, not GCSEs. I said, how many of those you got? I said, seven. I didn't have any. I got kicked out before him. So, so then he says, uh, okay, what's your phone number? I was like, oh, one, four, four, five, seven, five, nine, eight. What's your work number? Oh, one, three, six, eight, seven, six, double, one. Because I was working as an apprentice mechanic at the time. Um, just left school because, you know me, I love cars. And I didn't think about it. I really didn't think. And then three weeks later, he called me up. And he said, um, I've got you an interview at United Artists Records in Morton. They were in Morton Street at the time. And I thought, oh, flipping it, buzz rock, stranglers. Wow, you know. And so he said, but there's a problem. He said, they're looking for a 19 to 23-year-old. And I've told him you're 19. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's the second lie. How the fuck am I going to get away with that? So anyway, I get the I get the interview and, and I get the second interview. And at the second interview, this lovely man, Mike Edwards, you know, says, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, I'm really sorry. And I'm trying to figure out which one of the lies I can get away with. And I figure the job involves driving, so they're going to see my driving license, and they'll and they'll figure I'm only seventeen, so then I'm in trouble. So and I thought, well, if they ask to see my O level GCSE things, I can say I haven't got them, and that should buy me a month while I go and get new ones. And hopefully in the month they might think I'm all right. So I stuck my hand up and went, actually, really, I'm really sorry, but I'm only seventeen. And he went, oh, you fooled me. I'll call you later, let you know if you got the job. And very luckily, he gave me a, gave me a break. And I became the sales office assistant, which basically means go for this, go for that, do this, do that. Like every sales figures do, I couldn't fucking add up if it hit me in the head. And in those days, we had a massive number of reps all over the country visiting chart return shops. You know, fantastic learning curve about how sales worked, how sales forces worked, and how the basics of the industry worked. I've been doing that about a year. And I know, and we'd been, at that point, we'd been bought by EMI. And then... All of the EMI sub-label or license labels, it was called LRD, Licensed Repertoire Division, were put into our part of the business. So they had RAC, DAC, Southall, Motown, Island. Um, I can carry, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was fantastic. And so all these people suddenly arrived in our building and, and we had all this massive triple the number of releases going on. The promo guys had to walk past my desk every morning to get where they were going. And I, you know, I was an early bird. I'm always in at 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And, and and these bastards were I said they weren't bastards, they were just lazy. They weren't getting in until 10 30 in the morning. And I and I kept looking at them and, and I thought, do you know what? I could do that job. I mean, I was 18, I was ignorant and stupid. And, I, and, I, and out of that ignorance, I thought, I could be a promotion man. And so I went to a lovely fellow called Howard Berman, who was the marketing director. And he said, no. He said, the average age of producers at Radio 1 is 35, and you're 18. How are you going to talk to them? And I went, well, I'll just talk to them. And he went, no, 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 no. You've got to wait a few years before this is going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I was like, oh, all right then. So then he told my boss, and my boss pulled me in and went, listen, we really like you. You're great, but give it a few years. Da, 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 da. Anyway, fast forward a few, just literally a few weeks, and Rack Records is run by Mickey Most. Mm-hmm. And Dave Most, his brother, was a plugger and a really, really good one. Um, and we're distributing a band called Hot Chocolate, and the record is no doubt about it, which I'm sure you remember. And EMI Factory go on strike. So no bugger can get any records. <laughs> well, Mickey's an entrepreneur, a bit like Simon Cowell. Who also works in the post room. Exactly. He started in the post room, exactly. So he converts Rack Studios into a warehouse. And I go over there with a couple of other people, Pat and Jackie, and we're packing records. And I mean tens of thousands of singles. 
You know, I've got cobble cuts all over my hands because we're literally getting them in, reboxing them and sending them out to all the wholesalers. And we do this for a couple of weeks and there's tens of thousands of records. And I think if memory serves, the record goes to number two in the charts. And EMI then go back to work. And so Dave and Mickey, Mickey, Mickey and his brother Dave, take us round to the pub to thank us. And I'm sitting and you imagine you're a kid at 18 and I'm, I'm sitting on my hands because I'm like sitting with God and I'm not saying anything. And, and I'm like watching all these people going, I'm, you know, I'm not normally quiet, as you can tell. And, and so Mickey comes to me and he says, no, I just want to say thank you. And he very sweetly gives me an envelope with a couple hundred pounds, which was a lot of money for me in those days. Yeah. And his Dave, his brother, leans over and says, so what do you want to do? And I went, well, actually, I really want to be a plugger like you, Dave. And he went, oh, right, okay. Didn't think anything of it. Nothing. About five or six days later, Cliff, the managing director of, of UA, United Artists, calls me in the morning. About I'm in the office bang early, and it's about 10 past eight, and he just calls my phone. And he, he, I pick up the phone, and he goes, Guy, it's Cliff, get your fucking ass up here now. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to get fired. I've done something wrong. Da, 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 da. So I walk into his office, thinking I'm going to get a bollocking. And he says, young man, you've got friends in high places. Mickey has called the chairman of Thorny MI and said, I like this kid. You need to give him a job as a plugger. And that was my break. That's brilliant. It's a shame it had to come to that, though, isn't it? In my job, as we both know, you know, our old friend Ray Cooper, it was in oh, the yeah. Manchester Evening News, and it was a cock-up. It should have been in in Music Week, but somebody put it in the local paper. So I applied for it. My 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 thinking guy was, I don't have a job in the music business. If I don't get it, I still don't have a job in the music business. Yeah, yeah, but I went yeah. out for £25 a week for folk and jazz, transatlantic, to prove to Ray Cooper that was the best decision he ever made for giving me a job. Brilliant. That's all the motivation you need. There you go. The art of the hustle, at least how it was back in the day. You've been listening to Guy Holmes on Moments That Rock with me, Tony Michaelidis. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Off to the Pantheon group of podcasts, and we'll be back after this. Do you ever have those moments where you sit back and 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 it's not until a roller coaster ends that you really start to appreciate it? Do you know what? I I, I thank my lucky stars very regularly. It's been uh, just the thought of the people interactions. You know, you work with us. You know, you saw what we did at Ireland and at EMI and the people. You know, you had good people. You had assholes. It's life, but none of it has ever been boring. None of it's ever been normal. And none of it's ever been nine to five. So thank you. And I, I grew up in suburbia. The curtains used to move with the neighbours when I walked home from school because they were bored out of their tiny fucking mind. You know, and I swore to myself, never just go and live and do something you love. We've been blessed. You know, that's it. The, yeah. the graciousness and humility to appreciate the opportunity that you had, that you grasped oh. it. The great thing is that working for a label like Ireland, you have that opportunity to develop yourself within oh, yeah. an infrastructure of music yeah, people. Right. You know, I got told off at EMI because United Arts got merged into EMI. And, and and I used to go and hang out with in, the, in our department. And there was a wonderful man called Dave Ambrose and, and oh, yeah. uh, Perry Slater. And I got told off. I was like, well, why are you hanging out in our department? I'm like, well, it happens to be where the music's made. And, and, and that's why I'm here. You know, I'm here for the music. I'm not here for me. I'm here for if the music's good enough, I look clever. It's really simple. And I, if I walk in to see you as a radio producer and the music that I'm talking to you about is rubbish, I'm an idiot. So actually being in our department is right. But it was so bureaucratic at EMI at the time that people had these kind of silos of behaviour, which were just pathetic. Um, and they, I think that came down fairly quickly. Um, and, and, I, and I got a really lucky break. I had a lovely man I worked with, Bob, who who let me loose, if you know what I mean. And then um, I did, I was in that Christmas uh, on, on on the day after Boxing Day. And do you remember Radio 1 had a thing called Needle Time? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, they had a thing called Needle Time. So they had to buy in 10 session tapes a week. And the session tape guaranteed you 20 plays over two weeks in daytime. Right, so you only needed ten plays a week on Radio One of those days to break a record because they had fifteen million audience. So I'm in the office, and we had those, those um, the flashing light phone system, and I'm in there. And the only, I must have been the only person in the music business in the office on the day after Boxing Day that year. Right, literally must have been the only person because there was this lovely, lovely man who was a producer at Radio One called Paul Williams, and he, and, the, and I see the light come up. And I flick it down, and I hear Paul. And Paul's he used to smoke quite a lot. So, uh, who's, who's that? Who's that? It's that this guy from me. Oh, God, from me. Right, second takes. Need second takes. I need second takes, and I need them now. 
And I'm like, uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, 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 uh. And I just read him the release schedule. And it's The Strangler's Golden Brown, Craftwork the Model, Thomas Dolby, and Talk, 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 Talk. And so I sold him four session tapes. When everyone came back to work the following week, I looked like a hero. All I've done is pick up the phone. But The Stranglers went to number two. Craftwork went to number one. I think Thomas Dolby went to 34. And Talk Talk went in at 27 or something like that. If memory serves, it was a long time ago. I had four hits on my hands. I suddenly looked like I knew how to do the job. I mean, talk about lucky. With respect, Guy, I don't think it's luck. I think it's seizing opportunities. When you, when you surround yourself with great people on other sides of the job, um, I think it brings the best out of you. I just always stick to the, to the piece that music's more important than we are. Absolutely, yeah. And if we stick to that, you'll never go a zillion miles wrong. And and I've made some very commercial records and obviously some very successful records as well as ones that, you know, were good and bad taste and, and so on. And and success is an opinion. You know, what, what your taste is is different than my that's beauty. But I I think it's always the bar the band and the artist are the important people, not us. And as soon as your ego gets bigger than theirs. You got a problem, uh, and and yeah, you're right. I've seen that on a few occasions, um, but it it has to be about the music. And I joined the music business for the music because I was crazy about music, and I still love my music, uh, and I always will. So I mean, I saw Elton uh, play last night at Glastonbury. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I was in tears. I mean, the band, the man was just on it. Two hours went like in a minute. Two hours went like in a, literally in a minute, and he loved the adoration, the songs. The, the, the way he played them, the way away. That man has had a life. What a life. And it's there in the music. There's an honesty to it. And, and it's an integrity to great music that doesn't go away. I think you've shared one of your moments that rock guy, your opportunity to get into the music business and your own kind of, you know, hustle, if you like. So tell us some moments that rocked your world. Right. I, I don't... I'm, I, I, I'll always... ask you something then. I'll ask you this. Yeah. I don't know anything about the Michael Jackson connection other than the fact that you looked after him for a while. Eh? How did that happen? That didn't rock my world. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. That didn't rock my world. I was brought in to, to, to be chief executive of a joint venture. Uh, and then Michael came to me to ask me to manage him. And, and I stupidly said yes. Um, and, I, and to be blunt, that was my ego being... Uh, being bigger than my brain because I knew it was the wrong thing to do because because I couldn't help him. He was too um, he wasn't in a good place, you know. And, and that's life, and you can only help people who want to be helped. And I think the yeah. thing is when you've got somebody like that that is in another world, and obviously it had his issues and things, but so it was it wasn't like how long did it last? About a year, but it was it was it was painful, Tony. Yeah, it was painful because my entire career has been about helping artists to get somewhere. You know, and as I sometimes say to people, making little shits famous. Um, and and I've been lucky <laughs> enough to do that for, you know, some pretty phenomenal people. Um, uh, 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 and when you're trying to, you know, there's a, there's a phrase my dad used, is don't push shit uphill. <laughs> it was just one of those things. And, I, and I, I, I honestly regret doing it. I really do. It was a year of my life that I, I learned a lot. And I, you know, there are, there are lots of lessons in there. But the biggest one was don't do... Don't help people that can't be helped. It's not clever. That's great. i got yeah. a new series now, uh, Moments That Didn't Rock My World. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> if I go back and I reflect on how lucky I was, 
Um, you know, when I was, uh, I just turned 19 and EMI had signed a band for a bucket load of money and I loved them. I thought they were extraordinary. And I was again told, no, you can't work on them. You're too young. You're not experienced enough. You haven't been out. And we're, this is the biggest signing we've made in a long time. Blah, blah, blah. And I went and I named the head of A&R and, the, and Dave Ambrose, the A&R guy, and my boss and the manager. I just nagged everyone. I was relentless. And eventually they went, okay, give it to the kid. Come on, let him do it. And it was Duran Duran. Uh, and thank you to Peter Powell, who was the DJ on Radio One, who was really the because I didn't know how to do the job, to be honest. I knew the music was fantastic, but I didn't really know how to do the job. But Peter Powell and I think it was Richard Skinner in the evening, memory serves a long time ago, were both huge fans. And so that made it really easy. And the records, you know, Planet Earth was great, Girls on Film was great, Girls Memories, not so much, but those two singles alone, Planet Earth and, and Girls on Film, were phenomenal records. And that launched a career. And to be blunt, they're still friends. You know, they're, 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 I don't have rock and roll friends. I'm not interested because to me, it was, it's, it's a moment in time I loved. And I've got very close friends that are in other worlds. But, um, but that was the kickoff for my career. That really, really helped me become confident about doing promotion. And because I knew if the music was good enough, that's your job. Yeah. Then you have to be, you know, you did the job. You'll be super organized. Your word is your bond. If I shake your hand, it's done. Yeah. And, and then you become the default person that people go to when they've got a problem. So if you're doing a TV show and they are, an artist falls off a TV show like The Tube or in those days, Wogan or something, they'll call you straight away because they know you'll deliver. Yeah. Then yeah. you'll find a good artist and you'll get it there and they'll be on time. They'll be professional. They'll be there. And they haven't got to worry. And it's that's that's the game. But also, you've got to have taste. You've got to have ears. And you can't teach that to someone, Tony. You either have the ability to listen to 10 bits of music and go, that one's the hit, or you don't. And, and that's the gift of the music business. And, 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 you know, I didn't always get them all right, but luckily I got more right than I got wrong. So the moment of rock would be Duran. That, 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 that kicked my career into gear. Excellent stuff. Mr Guy Holmes, we go back a very long time. Um, great to hear the enthusiasm over his moments and uh, the Duran Duran story and the complete opposite with the Michael Jackson story. Well, not that he delved too much into it, but I don't blame him. You don't go back and remember times that you don't really want to remind, be reminded of. You'd rather forget them. You've been listening to Moments That Rock with me, Tony Michaelie, this part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. We'll be back next week. Also, there'll be more from Guy Holmes in a future podcast, probably in about six weeks' time. Thank you for listening, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 